the comic book pit. Okay. Seeing all those characters assembled again, no pun intended. Yeah, some <laughs> I, pun intended. <laughs> I, got, I, I got a little bit of a chill when when Hawkeye says to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, "When you step yes. out, when you step out this door, you're Avengers." I was yes. like, oh, this and is like, Yeah, and it cuts to her stepping out the door, and she's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. hex power and robots and stuff." And then we got to hear uh, what Pietro Maximoff sounds like. Mm-hmm. I can see some people getting on that. Um, I, you know, I guess Jerry's out. I thought it sounded kind of cool. Yeah, but I could also see it being a little. It might get a little painful. <laughs> yeah. If uh, I mean, if Johnson has a couple lines. Of, if he's got a, like a monologue in that voice, it might get a little. We start long, seeing the scenes in it. As long, I mean, it, it, I feel like no matter what, like at this point, like the character of Bane has set the like set the bar for like bad. Like voices for comic book movie characters, you know, in like dark in the Dark Knight Rises. Ah, yes, I love the Bane. I won't uh, try and do it here, but yeah, no, I mean it's just, I mean, I it, it, and it's been it's been like, um, you know, uh, just torn apart and ripped on and and just and and parodied so many times that it's, you know, it's still funny. But it's I, I, I like I said I, I think that's like they they really set the bar so if it, if it doesn't reach that level I'm totally fine with it if they don't have to go back and re-record it yes. or remix it yeah and I feel like Whedon is savvy enough that he knows that you know what mm-hmm. what people are going to gravitate towards and what people are going you know what people are going to find ridiculous. On the topic of Christopher Nolan and inaudible dialogue, did you see that um, Matthew McConaughey space movie? I have not seen that yet. I have not seen it either, but I I read complaints that there was points in the movie where, like, you couldn't hear the dialogue. Like, the mix was all out of whack, and people were, like, like yelling at the the theater staff that the Mm. audio was wrong, and here it was intentional. So Christopher Nolan's got some wild hair up his ass about playing with the sound and making dialogue difficult to understand in his movies. Somewhere in his head, he's got it that that's like some cool little edgy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of dumb. I don't think I can get behind it. I haven't seen Interstellar, so I can't judge it. I can only see what people were griping about. Mm-hmm. But knowing what the initial Bane voice was and knowing what 
he let the Batman voice be in uh, The Dark Knight. I think it was kind of toned down in the third one. It wasn't like that in the first one. So you watch the first one, he's he's sort of like, I'm, talking, I'm Batman. I see, and I, then you watch Dark Knight. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I thought it got progressively worse through the movies. I'd have to revisit the yeah. third one because I can't remember. I seem to think it not being quite as... Blah, 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 blah. I think it was definitely, like the second one, it was full-on gravel. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah, I think maybe in the third one it, he toned it down a bit, but... Like yeah, in the first one it was just kind of normal. He was it was almost more of a whisper, like a yeah, like yeah. a harsh whisper. Yeah. And then the second one it sounded like he was, you know, gargling gasoline and broken glass. Which a uh, harsh whisper is and my then, favorite George Michael album, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, well, my explanation for the Dark Knight was that the mask was too tight on his nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but then wouldn't he? He would sound like this, I think. He was, uh, okay, quiet. Oh, you talking. Gasp. Can't breathe. Oh, oh. <laughs> Where's the Batmobile? Oh, those people. Prove you. <laughs> yeah, oh. he, 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 he did always sound out of breath. Oh, my gosh. Too funny. And yeah, then my one friend is like, why is he talking like that to Lucius Fox? Like, Lucius Fox knows who he is. I was like, that's just dumb. He's like, I couldn't keep a straight face. He's like, if you were there next to me and you were doing the stupid voice, I would just be laughing at you. Like, you don't need to do that. Well, maybe, you know, once he's, he's, he's that's like, a, it's the mask. Maybe he's like, an, maybe he's like a method actor. Once he's in character, <laughs> he doesn't break. You know, like, yeah. like the, the reports of when Heath Ledger was the Joker on set, you know, he even, he was the Joker when he wasn't, yeah. you know, you know, movie world, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I'm lost in the character. Lucius. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one, he's got the mask off and he talks normal, but he's still wearing the bad suit. I noticed that as well. Mm. He's talking now first and he's got the ma- mask off, suit on, talks normal. I-, I think it's my mask theory. It's too tight on his face. <laughs> and he compensates by just dropping the about three octaves. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see what Ben Affleck's like. I'm sure it won't be like that. No, hopefully the 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 bad fleck will be, you know, they'll they'll have learned they'll they'll, they'll take the best parts of all the Batmen that have come before and make the you know a good bat fleck. Yeah. I'll be honest, it does look like it's a bat black suit. I'm disappointed with that. I thought it was a chance to really be bold and do something different. I was really hoping for blues and grays, mm-hmm. and I know <laughs> that they won't do happy Batman that kind of. I mean, I, you don't have to do like I'm a you know I'm a big fan of Dick Spring Happy Batman, but I know you can't do that in a movie. But you've seen Brave and the Bold, right? Oh yeah. Also, the Maybe name so. the name Dick Sprang totally hilarious. Yes. <laughs> well, did I tell you? I, I don't know if I told you guys this, um, but but this uh, uh, customer interaction that kind of blew my mind. Um, a few weeks ago at the, at the comic store, um, I was uh, I was ringing this guy up and he, he just hit me with this out of nowhere. It wasn't like we were talking about Batman. It wasn't like he was buying Batman stuff. I wasn't wearing a Batman T-shirt. Nothing. He, just out of the blue, he hits me with this, and it kind of blew my mind a little. He just he stopped. He looked at me and he said, "Wouldn't it be cool if?" 
you know, if they made a Dark Knight Returns movie and brought back an older Michael Keaton to to play Batman, like the the aged Batman. Yes. And I was like, that like whoa. And it's so simple. Like it's it, it's not like it's some amazing concept, but at the but I like I never I never thought of it, and I I never read anyone propose like I, no one ever proposed that that I've ever seen. I, I just thought that would be so cool. Like, and it would be so. Yeah. I mean, because he is he's obviously he's thirty years older than he was when he yes. portrayed Batman in the you know in, in the in the Burton movie, and. If you know, if if they decided to say, you know, Batman, you know, Batman and Batman Returns happened, and the events in Batman Returns was his last adventure, and flash forward thirty years, and he comes out of retirement. Like, I would be. Cool. I have heard it that floated about somewhere else before, and it was all as a result of Birdman, which I haven't seen Birdman yet. I want to, I just haven't had the opportunity. I don't think it's out on home video yet to see it. And I missed it in the theatrical run, but I mean, it's, it, uh, what it, little bits I've seen, he, it, you know, is, is, there's some similarities there that can sort of, you can sort of see that, yeah, like working. There is an example of how it could work. We saw it, um, a couple of weeks ago. It may still be at the waterfront if you're interested. Oh, you did see it? Okay. We saw it, yeah, Jen and I saw it a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, uh, Excellent, excellent movie. I mean, he was just amazing, and um, yeah, and I could totally see it. The, the whole time I was sitting there, I was thinking, "Wow, he would be a great older Batman slash Bruce Wayne." Mm-hmm. I'd see it. I think everybody would line up to see. It. At least everyone of a certain age mm-hmm. would definitely be there, and then people of uh, who might not be old enough to have that same affinity for the Batman 89, I'm sure they'd probably get in on it, too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they could appreciate it. But yes, there's those of us that have a certain age would <laughs> are already lining up. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was um, I was perusing uh, <clears throat> Amazon Prime a week or two ago and noticed that they um, have uh, the Burton Batman movies on Amazon Prime to watch. Do they? I have, I have the box set, and uh, it's sort of. I haven't really gone through all of it. It's like they did that oh, a couple years ago, and it's like it's chock full of extras. It's all four of them, just jam packed to the gills with extra. They even have a. They all four of them have commentary tracks, so they have commentary with Burton, and they have commentary with Schumacher. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's you know long enough where I believe it's kind of a. Uh, I don't want to say like a Mia culpa commentary track, but there, there, I believe there is some awareness with uh, the Schumacher movies, particularly Batman and Robin. So, uh, mm-hmm. again, it's just a matter of time. There was a time when I could just sit there and crush DVD extras, um, <laughs> and days are gone. But it is there, and I'm sure sooner or later I will bust it. I've been wanting to do the Batman and Robin because uh, Kevin Smith's Batman on Batman he has, um, I think he's a media critic, Mark Bernard, and will come on, and they'll do like a commentary track to the old Batman movies. Okay. And so it's like a companion podcast. And they uh, Last month they did Batman and Robin, and I wanted to 
watch along, but I just haven't had the time yet. You're doing the walrus stuff and everything else. I kind of, I have the time to sit here and do sure. it, but time's precious. That it is. Speaking of which, may we segue into our first book? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, took advantage of the review copies we get sent, finally. <laughs> And I read uh, Chrononauts number one by uh, Mark Miller and Sean Gordon Murphy. Yes, is that the artist's name? Yeah, Sean Murphy. Yeah, he, yeah. The uh, he did the the guy that did Punk Rock Jesus and uh, the the Wake with Scott Snyder. Okay. And uh, speaking of timing, I uh, have Twitter up here, and two minutes ago, Mark Miller just announced that Universal Pictures optioned Chrononauts for a movie. So it's, go figure. A Mark Miller comics being made into a movie? <laughs> Color me surprised. I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a really good first issue. I thought it did a really good job of introducing the concept, the main characters, um, their motivations, all without like feeling forced or rushed or, you know, feeling like here's, here's everything being put into place. Now go. It all, just flowed really smoothly. And I've not really read anything by Sean Gordon Murphy, so this is like my first true exposure to him as like especially particularly as an interior artist. Mm-hmm. And powerful stuff. Like he really knows how to utilize the space on a page and oh, compose yeah. panels and just make the most of it. And he's got that, you know, it's stylized artwork, but it's grounded in reality, so it can sort of keep a foot in both worlds so when it gets outlandish it looks amazing but yet it's also kind of relatable at the same time so I said I really 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 liked it I, I enjoyed it a lot um, I don't the only thing that prevented me from picking a copy up this week was one there's like 18 million variant covers yeah I know and I'm looking and there's like oh like Fabio Moon did a cop cover I want that one it's the one my shop didn't have there was a gap on the shelf and I'm guessing that's probably was where it was at and everyone was snagged it um so yeah i really like the fiona staples cover is that the uh the roman times yeah I, um okay, there I was like that. a like one of them was dressed like a like a roman uh gladiator and the other one had like yeah like i forget like a bullet bandolier around his chest and there was like a little dinosaur running around and <laughs> yes I, the, I was gonna say the, right, and then the other thing against it just real quick was I don't want to have to move it in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Modern um, books are heavy. Well, I, I thought, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I thought this book was just so much fun. And mm-hmm. it, it was my, like at, at the store, we do all, you know, employee picks. And this was, this was definitely my pick of the week, hands down. Um, it reminded me, I don't know if you've ever read any black science. The, I have uh, not. It, 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 uh, a, Another great book, but it reminded me of like a more like it was more like a rock and roll fu- like black science. It was like let's just get out there and have fun. Where black okay. science is, it's a great book. It's a great story. Tonally very different, a lot darker and a you know a lot heavier as far as the characters go. You know a lot more at stake. Um, now, granted that we've only seen one issue of this, so things could change, but I, I feel like the tone overall is that the two main characters, while, you know, they're, 
scientists and, you know, they're very serious about this, this time travel project. But I feel like Miller and Murphy were just having a, just a hell of a fun time putting this story together. And I think it, it just comes through in the, in the writing and the art. Just, just like, just the Absolutely. tone of it. Like I said, it was just like these guys were just, you know, in the book, they're, they're like scientists, rock stars. I mean, they're just, they're having a blast yeah. doing what they're doing, but they're still doing what they're doing in pursuit of science and knowledge and, and furthering our society. But it's not all grim and gritty and dour. It's like, holy shit, we're having fun and we're on the cover of magazines and we're being interviewed by Entertainment Tonight and, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Just, and, and they're just enjoying it. They're just taking it all in. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's a couple of, um, there's a couple of real moments in the book. You know, the, they obviously, yes. the one guy's got relationship issues with his ex and then there's, um, some kind of serious stuff that happens at the end with, you know, the, uh, the initial project, but. Oh, well, that man. was, speaking about the scene with the ex-wife, how it's, there's a lot of information that goes on in the book, but it was able to take a moment and sort of like slow it down and have this very humanizing moment in the middle of it to sort of, uh, give us, um, a little more insight into the characters and their motivations and how they operate. And so with everything that's going on, it does have a brisk pace, but we're still able to take a moment and slow down and have a very, you know, a character driven scene through all this craziness, you know, all within the, I don't even count the pages, but 20 odd pages mm-hmm. of this first issue that said he had so much to set up and he did it so deftly. And it's not, it's not cheeky or precious or sometimes Miller can get a little, uh, I think full of himself. Mm-hmm. You can be able to Mark Miller's uh, Kick-Ass 2 suffered from that. Or he just got too cute. But this didn't have any of that. This was like solid Mark Miller. This is like the good Mark Miller. This is the one that... This is the one... This is, what, this is why people... This is why he became Mark Miller. Because books like this uh, were just strong and not, you know... Yeah. Exploitive for the sake of it. And I... I feel like he's been going through somewhat of a renaissance lately with his uh, his recent works. I mean, Chrononauts is a good example. Um, <clears throat> Starlight was another great book. Uh, MPH. I, I didn't actually finish reading MPH, but I read the first, I think, two or three issues, and I, I really yeah. liked the direction that was going. Okay. Um, so I, I feel like he's you know he's putting out some good stuff these days. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. I um, I'd like to keep reading this. Um, hopefully we keep getting review copies because that's always nice to just mm-hmm. download it. Uh, but if not, then I'll probably just trade weight because then I'll be in my new apartment and I won't have to worry about <laughs> lugging it around for a minute. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and um, having read the first issue, if we never got another copy of it, that I would I would still pick this up. It's, yeah. it's it's that good. Yeah. It's that much fun. It's yeah. This is definitely a, a solid buy it for me. Indeed, in mine's a uh, I would buy it, but I got enough comics to move already. I don't need to add any more <laughs> <laughs> just yet. Um, speaking of time, I have a transition for this. Okay. Uh, you said you watched uh, Flash this week. Yes. 
Oh my goodness. So I'm running out of words to describe my how much I love the Flash. Well, I feel like I need to learn a new language so I can pick up some more. First, first of all, do we want to? I mean, I, I feel like we we can't we can't really talk about this episode without I mean you know and do it justice without saying stuff that happened. So I'm, I know I, I'm going to say I, I think we should just this is this is a spoil, are we too spoiler soon? warning. Okay, just put the warning out then. Yeah. Because I, I'll, I'll and I'll put it in the show notes, whatever. But this this was, uh, I mean, uh, just hands down, probably one of the like one of the biggest episodes of the season. Yes, I mean, some, I some stuff honest, happened. It does sort of change the status quo, and part of me, part of me, and, and this is not part of me, almost didn't like that because I'm like, no, I liked. That the way it was. I liked the the Happy Star Labs family, and yeah. they just were the goofy group of friends, and then the wacky villain of the week. But it got some real, and I'm like, oh. But it's like yeah. change, like no change. But it's like it's so good though, and it's just so. And then and then those oh those sneaky bastards. They did all these like big moments, big reveals, and then they were like, whoop, no, not yet. Well, that that's that, how it ended. That's that's what really not threw me, but it was a. Uh, it was crazy because they, you know, they did so much stuff that you would expect to see in a season finale. Right. And I don't think and, we're anywhere near a season no. finale. Yeah. It's got to be winding down, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're coming close, but I mean, there's still a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah. flash left to go. And, the, and I mean, there were three, just off the, no, four big things that happened in this episode. Like, Game, yeah. Game changers. Yes. Game changers. Ones. Um, um I guess we could start the, on the scale of significant to maybe not as much is the, there was the, uh, um, emotional arc with Barry and Iris where right. Iris finally copped that she too had feelings for Barry. And then there was Barry revealing his identity. Oh yeah. That's, that, those are, I mean, that's, I didn't want to do it like too. this. Yeah, because I just two. Yeah, I didn't see that happening at first, but I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's you know. I was like, he's like, is he just gonna run off? And he's like, he's like, uh, go. And then she's just like, oh shit. Um, and then the uh, the one that oh, I'm I'm glad that next week's trailer seemed to indicate this is being instantly retconned is not the part of my maybe there's like worked to like five now. Because then you had Harrison Wells revealing his true identity, mm-hmm. that he's um, Stain? What's the character? Thane? Well, e- Eobard Fawn. So Eobard, thank you. So he oh. is, yeah, he is a he's, a, he's a distant relative of Eddie. Yes, he's from the distant future. He's a displaced time traveler, right. speedster. He had that, and then he killed Cisco, which I... Oh, that was such a heartbreaker! Uh, literally, yeah, yeah. literally, because yeah, he's yeah, yeah. he vibrated his hand and jammed it right into his chest right before he said, um, "You've always been like a son to me." Yeah, then he, then he does like, but to me, you've been dead for centuries. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is amazing! This is a dopey CW primetime like melodrama. Like this show has no business well, being this and, good. And and there's no going back because because <laughs> he was because. Uh, uh, Dr. Wells was 
at breakfast with Caitlin, and yes. she, she gets up to pay the bill or whatever and looks back, and his chair is still there, but he's gone. Mm-hmm. Because he knew mm-hmm. something was up at Star Labs because Cisco was trying to recreate, you know, he knew something was wrong, and he suspected yes. Dr. Wells of something, whatever. And, yeah, so, so Caitlin knows that, you know, okay, it's very obvious that, so, yeah, there's no going back now. Like, you know, Barry's full support. Well, maybe. Maybe. But because then number one is Barry breaks the time stream and travels through time. And it kind of seems like a quantum leap version of time traveling. Is that how you interpreted that? The quantum leap or is there now like two Barry's? I feel like he just, yeah, he went back, excuse me, into himself. That's I how I read it. I don't think okay. there's two. I think it was yeah. just he just went back in time and kind of replaced himself. Um, yes. And then he, yeah, he realized at the exact moment the episode ended what happened. Yeah. And then you get like the previews for next week, and it's like stuff's already being changed because he like spoilers. But if you watch, I mean, the the next week previews are almost as much as part of the show as the show itself. Mm-hmm. So I he catches. Weather Wizard, which is awesome. He's like, I've been waiting to use that since week one. Yeah, that was fun. Like, yeah, those like self-aware moments. Right, the <laughs> self-referential things. It wasn't this episode, but it was like a couple weeks ago. There was like, oh, just another Tuesday, or this is how we spend Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Oh, their their um, writing is just spot on. Yeah, I said for. I, mean, I remember back when we saw previews, I'm like, I'll watch it. It looks like a fun little dopey like art thing. I'll give it a go. And it is – I'd say if it, if it wasn't for Better Call Saul, I'd call it the best show on TV, in my opinion. You right know, now. I just remembered another moment that was kind of a – for me, I thought it was kind of a big thing. Because I, I think we always assume that the death of Barry's mother was the impetus that causes him to eventually become the Flash because he's – you know, he, he's always after the truth and trying to figure out who killed his mother. When Wells reveals that his mother was not his target, it, he was actually trying to kill Barry. Yeah, yeah. That, that is significant as well. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious if you, if we'll see that in season one. It probably could be going that way. I mean, there will be a season two. It's like, where, and part of me is like, where the hell do they go? But they seem to, there seems to be a plan, and they seem to have thought this thing out. So I, I have faith in the, uh, the oh yeah. Of the Flash. At at this point, I'm I'm just all on board. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's... I'm all in. Yeah, like th- this show's got com- confidence from me, like Marvel Studio has in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and I'll give it up to DC. They're again, their TV shows. Mm-hmm. That's where they roll, and which is so weird. It's so weird how that works. Like DC can just produce quality television where Marvel struggles, but Marvel owns the, the movie realm, mm-hmm. and DC just can't seem to put it together there. Although I will say I will say that if, I, I think Marvel is going to turn a corner with Daredevil. Because that, the, the trailer for that that's always, looks Yeah, amazing. Daredevil looks cool, but here's the thing where you can sort of split hairs – with it being on Netflix and being, you know, all there on demand and ripe for binge viewing, 
it sort of blurs the line between movies and TV by being on Netflix, where it's kind of it's long form but divided into chapters. So I mean, I well, it's it's, it's just it's almost, just almost like a cheat. But. Well, it's just a different delivery system because some people could wait it, yeah. until the Flash season one comes on Netflix or on DVD or Blu-ray and just watch it then. It's just a different delivery system. You know? now I'm curious to see the structure of the of the narrative with, you know, they don't have commercial breaks and stuff like that. They don't, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like I said, splitting hairs finally now, <laughs> but yeah, but, but I think, I think that's where Marvel is going to take the next step and it's going to be way better than what they've been doing with agents of shield. So, yeah. And they can sort of, there's not quite the same limitations that you have on broadcast television that you do for a Netflix original. Oh, definitely. I don't know how, how, uh, the quote what the rating would be for Daredevil, but it doesn't, I think they can do things that they couldn't get away with at 8 p.m. on, oh, whatever, whatever time show it. I mean, if you've ever watched, you know, like, uh, the only Netflix original show that I've watched to this point is, I watched the first two seasons of House of Cards, and that is definitely rated R. Okay, I saw. Yeah. I'm think I I saw like the first episode or two of Orange Is the New Black. Um, I didn't really have. To, I, I I didn't dislike it, but it didn't quite grab me like it grabbed some people. Mm. And that was like when I was moving. And I don't. That's sort of when I lost Netflix because that was the previous mm-hmm. place of residence, and I was not the uh, owner of the Netflix account. Um, and then before that was uh, Arrested Development, which is kind of not. Yes, a Netflix original, but not actually a Netflix original. Right. Well, you know, sort of, yeah, so. that, that that was kind of a different different situation. Yeah, yeah for different creature. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see Marvel on on Netflix, like how far mm-hmm. they're willing to go in this new format. So, but um, that's coming pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah, uh, April tenth. April tenth. Gadzooks. Mm-hmm. I might have to, might have to bite the bullet and activate a Netflix account. I think it would be worth it, just for I yeah, mean, I, just for I'm a month because you could just yeah, you yeah. you watch yeah, it I and could then plug after a month, but pretty much. And then we just in time probably for uh, AKA Jessica Jones stuff to start coming out and mm-hmm. David Tennant as the Purple Man and I I I don't know I mean I would part of me I hope. He is indeed the Purple Man, although I kind of just see him being referenced to as Kilgrave, which is a cooler sounding name than Purple Man. Yeah, but I, you can, they can do that. I mean, if anything, the Flash has shown you can do dopey comic book stuff and still have it carry weight. And I would just love to see David Tennant as the Purple Man, as a Purple Man, <laughs> as literally a Purple Man. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. A Purple Man. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see just how bold that, that he get. I said, why not? Yeah, you got go us buying in with everything else so far. A talking raccoon, we bought the end of that lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> we can handle a purple tenth doctor. That is we're, true. We're ready for that. So. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, uh, now Flash ended up back at Marvel. <laughs> what's that? If we started at Flash and ended up back at Marvel. Back at Marvel. The power of the house. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I can I can segue a little from uh, from Marvel Television to Marvel Comics. I picked up Spider Woman number five, uh, which I think actually came out a couple of weeks ago. But I was interested because and I have not read any of the first four issues because they all tied into Edge of Spider-Verse. And they were, I think they were all drawn by Greg Land, which I was not interested in. But the um, the fifth issue, for all, I think for all intents and purposes, should have been the first issue because it's her new costume. It, it, and it says it right on the cover, new costume, new status quo. Um, so we got um, written by Dennis Hopeless. So I've, I've read his stuff before, and I like it. And um, pencils by Javier Rodriguez. And so the the premise is, um, you know, this, ha- this happens right after, you know, this book takes place after the events of the Edge of Spider-Verse. And, and I don't know exactly when this particular thing happens, but apparently she has quit the Avengers. And in an effort to just be normal, quote unquote, to just reconnect with the world, to... And and so really, what she wants to do now is just just be a street level hero. Um, she doesn't really quite quite want to go back to being a private detective like she was years yeah. ago. But you know, so she's got a new costume and a new uh, focus. You know, she doesn't she she wants nothing to do with the Avengers. Uh, she wants nothing to do with Shield. She just wants to be on her own. And this is kind of like the um, almost like the bat girlification of Spider Woman. Yes. Not that she's been de aged in any way, but she's got this kind of cool new functional costume, and she's just doing her thing. And she's and it's it's you know she's enjoying Did she herself. She moved to Brooklyn. <laughs> that she's well. I don't think it says exactly. Well, she is still like wherever her office is. She's still there because it says you know Jessica Drew investigations, but there's a big, like, handwritten closed sign on the door. Um, okay. So she's, you know, her her first time out as this, you know, in, in her new status quo, she's kind of having a rough go of it. She ends up in jail, and I guess her identity is public. I, I, I'm not a... I'm not a big... Not, I shouldn't say a big fan of Spider-Woman. I just don't know a lot about yeah, her. Yeah, I'd be lying too if I said I knew the uh, the details. But I, I I guess I guess she has a like a you know a public identity because she's she's put in prison um you know she's not wearing like her her glasses or her jacket or anything. She's just in there with you know she's in like a a holding cell with like a half dozen other ladies and um Ben Urich comes to get her. And because he needs help with something, which at first she's kind of reluctant, you know, she doesn't want to, um, she doesn't want to help him because she doesn't think he has anything, whatever his, you know, he's, he's got this, um, this story he's working on, but she doesn't think it has any traction. So she just blows him off. Um, then, you know, come, then she comes to find later that maybe there was something there. So he just, you know, at the end of the story, she decides to help him and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of, it was a, it was a fun book. I really enjoyed it. I kind of, this is like the Spider Woman Ben Urich team up 
you never knew you wanted. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, it was it was really good. I would like like I said, this was I mean this is the quintessential you know great jumping on point for anyone. Um, yeah, I, I was I went to Wikipedia to see if I could fill in some gaps in our knowledge here, and uh, basically like what you said, it's post Spider Verse or the events of Spider Verse have caused her to quit the Avengers, like you said, which I think I think in this world, if you're an Avenger, it kind of you have to be public. There's no secret identity in being an Avenger, I mm. think. I could be wrong. It won't be the first time. But just knowing the Mar- the landscape of the Marvel Universe of the past almost ten years, I would think that that's part of the uh, the deal. Mm-hmm. But, so, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I see what you mean about but- quit, quit the Avengers to start a new life and focus on helping ordinary citizens. But yeah, like yeah, she did have a. I was going to say she did have kind of a rough go in uh, Spider Verse. Yeah, she had to she had to take one for the team in more ways than one during that storyline. I felt bad for her. So yeah, I would say if you know if um, if you're looking for something new to try or you know everyone says there's no good female protagonist books out there, then Spider Woman is is one you should check out. So interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, it was it was just something that was, you know, I, I took a chance on and I I was very pleasantly surprised by it. So. Cool. That's cool. Uh, I was going to try and make a joke about the Batgirl cover, but there's not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'd be forced right now. I was just thinking, though, there is kind of you were talking about the Batgirlization. There's a lot of parallels, new costumes, controversial covers. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's more, but yikes. Yeah, I I I started reading some stuff about the the, the Batgirl covers, and I just found myself not caring at all. All I'll say is this: when I saw it first revealed, my initial reaction was like, "Ooh, that's not gonna go over well," and that seems to be a departure of the tone from what they've done with the character. Mm-hmm. I um I didn't have the the Raw you know, outrage reaction, but I did definitely saw which way the wind was blowing on that one, and I was like, "Huh." It did. It did strike me as um, an odd choice. Mm-hmm. Um, like giving what they've done with the character to sort of uh, invigorate her to go with that. Yeah. But, you know, but everything. It just the whole thing just reminded me of what we've been through with, like, like you just said, with that Spider Woman. Covered yeah, with all the yeah. all the all the furor over that, and I just I'm like, I'm like I just can't care anymore. I can't care about this oh, stuff. Yeah, you know, I just can't. I, I just can't do it. it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, it's it, I mean, it'll just blow over in a month. Oh, and there, you know, what's funny? Uh, just going back to this, that issue of Spider Woman, there is a a uh, reference to that cover, like a like a sly. Jab oh, yeah? at that whole thing. Yeah, it was pretty funny. You see, well, what that does, though, I mean, yes, it ruffles feathers, but what it ultimately does is it has people discussing the product, and from a marketing standpoint, from a you know a business trying to move product, mm-hmm. that's not bad. You know, oh, good yeah. or bad is irrelevant. You, well, you, you got people talking about your product, that's good. Yeah, we know that there's no such thing as bad publicity. So exactly. So 
Um, it's all part of that, but yeah, I remember that back I was like, oh, that's kind of, <laughs> that's an odd choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, like, that's where Duke's at this week. He's drawing the new Backroll 41 cover, but, <laughs> which I guess we should plug for him as we're kind of a little scatological on this show. Um, coming up, I guess we're not as, as little for that than I thought. The Duke's got a public appearance on April 3rd and 4th, which we'll probably have shows between now and then, but it doesn't hurt in case not everyone's on every episode listener. Well, I uh, think he's just doing the third, because, Friday the third, because he said he's he's traveling. That's Easter weekend. Oh, okay. So, so he's, he's, yeah, he can't okay. do the Saturday show. He's only doing, or not show, but appearance. But he is going to be at the New Dimension Comics in Cranberry uh, and at Century 3 Mall on Friday, signing his... Uh, yep. His uh cover, his back cover to Puppet Master number one from yeah. uh, Action so Lab Comics. I'll be buying Puppet Master number one, and I'll be displaying it back cover first mm-hmm. when I uh, put it in the board, back and board. <laughs> Will you be there as well? Oh sir? yeah, I'm 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 not working that day, but I am gonna I am actually yeah. gonna go up and and support the Duke because yep. that's He's a, doing a. I say that jives with my work schedule, so I can make it as well. So yes, gotta go support the Duke. Yep. And so if you you love Comic Book Pit, you love the Duke, come on out Friday, April third, either at Cranberry Mall. Uh, it, it's not at the mall. It's just it, it's their their store. Is it? The new Dimensions. Uh, it, yeah. New if you just store. if you just Google yeah New Dimension Comics Cranberry yeah. and uh, New Dimension Comics Century Three Mall, yeah, they're they're pretty easy to find. When he was telling me about that, and he told me the times. And then there's like that two hour window between appearances. I'm like, you got to drive from the North Hills to West <laughs> Mifflin on a Friday afternoon. Oh God! At yeah. four o'clock, you're gonna need two hours. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna take him two hours to get there. So yeah, that's the pit part of Comic Book Pit where we talk <laughs> <laughs> local traffic patterns. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, oh Godspeed, Scott Hedlund. <laughs> this is not gonna be enjoyable. <laughs> but yes, and um, oh, I don't think we mentioned this, but Coming up before that, on Saturday, March 28th, you can see all of us in the flesh at PIX, the Pittsburgh Indie Comics Expo. That's right. At 10 South 19th Street in the city's south side. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to it. It's a, I mean, it, it, it's always been a good show. Every time we've had it, it's always been a fun show, and it's free to get in. And yes. free parking. I mean, it's like, it's, it's win-win, and there's great... You know, great creators, great comics, just good guests. Food trucks will be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason to not come to picks. Great if you're in the area. Great, uh, great panels. Great, you know, there's gonna yeah. be discussion. I'm not even sh- I know a little bit about a little bit, but I don't know the full, full lineup of panels to uh, give away. But I do know that um, voices have been heard, and there will be some. Panels geared. If you are a comics maker, uh, you definitely will be some panels there for you. Uh, and I'm sure even the uh, casual fan, if you want a little insight into how uh, behind the scenes stuff, you get a little catch a little something there. But yeah, it's uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on down at Picks on Saturday, March 28th. And remember, it all started here on this very program. You and me, Dan Greenwald. That's true. A little conversation, yeah. a little flight of fancy. About two years ago. Crazy how that happens. Yeah. 
I, I don't care what anybody says. We're taking credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> we did this. Yes. <laughs> Comic Book Pit brought it back. But yes, come see us. We'll be there. Yeah. We'll be there with uh, Sean Atkins. Uh, uh, figured out. Yeah, there's program. gonna be a lot of people that have, have, you know, friends of the show and people that have guest hosted have been, will be there. Sean, um, like you said, uh, Marcel Walker. Oh, yes, yes, our uh, the fifth Beatle, if you will, of comic book pit. <laughs> yeah, will be there as well. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait. Folks at home can go to uh, pixcomics.org. You can see all all the exhibitors, all the guests, uh, everything you need to know is there. Check it out. We're on Facebook as well, and Twitter, and Tumblr. You got people just standing on street corners, just screaming incoherently about it. <laughs> Everything's covered. Oh, the uh, I was talking about the Facebook post that I uh, been, I paid for. Uh, it's getting up there. It's approaching 2,000 people reached. Oh, good. It's still not. It's good, but when you pay money for it, you kind of want to get a little more of a reach, Facebook. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Um, but whatever. We don't need to revisit all that. Um, oh, you had back to the world of comics. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for these clunky segues. But I thought of a book that I could actually chime in on, and I had some some thoughts on it. Okay, was that Guardians of the Galaxy team up number oh, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I picked this up. Which, you know, I, I'm not currently reading anything Guardians, but when I saw that Art Adams was was doing the art for the you know the cover and interiors, yes, I, I thought. I mean, it's a no brainer. You know, Bendis and Adams. I mean, that's a it's a good team it's, up right there. Yeah. I thought that as well, and I have to admit, um, I was a little let down with the Art Adams art. I, you I know, think you're not the first person I've heard express some concern over his art in, in this book. At I least. think he needs an inker. Yeah, I, you could tell, and I would say, in, in half of it, it's pretty glaring that they're just working off his pencils. Um, yeah. You know, that being said, I feel like his pencils are tighter. In, in in general, than most people's art with an inker. I'm not mean, saying they're not. I mean, I'm he's doing it. some good stuff. I mean, it's still, yep. you know, no, there's still, I would there's definitely rather some just like look at his raw pencils. But if it's going to be colored up and polished and everything, I it just it wasn't working well, for me. I, I think I, I think where the art suffers a little bit too is that it's you know the guardians it's their they're teaming up in this first issue with the Avengers, of which there are, what, at least 12 of them? A lot, yeah. So you've got all the, you've got the, the, the core Guardians. It's, you know, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Groot. And let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, yeah. 12 Avengers show up. So he's, I mean, he's drawing all these characters and it just some of them you know some of the art just suffers as a result because of all the work he's doing here right and, yeah and and i not our adam's fault but it did have some of that tacky bendis dialogue yeah a little although, overwritten a little i didn't little, see uh, you know i i didn't think jokey, it was i don't know yeah there was definitely some you know you, you could you could feel the the bendis 
touch, which sounds kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> feel yeah, the Bendis you touch. You don't want to feel that, yeah. Um, but I didn't think it was as overt as his usual stuff. I felt it was reined in just a little. Um, but, uh. Just a little, but it was still there. I'll agree. I mean, I've seen some way worse mm-hmm. Bendis writing. Um, I think, I don't know, but it was still there. And, and it was just too busy. I mean, it's. You're right. With what we figured, almost 18 characters running around. Something. Well, the, 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 those are just the just the heroes. You're, you're not. Yeah. You know. You're, then you've That's got the, the team up. The, yeah. 18 characters teamed up in this. Right. Issue. And they're fighting the like they're uh, the guardians come to Earth because the Chitari are chasing them, and so there's this um, you know there's this big fight of Avengers yeah. versus aliens. Um, the Chitari started in the Ultimates, right? And then they were used in yes. the movie in lieu of scrolls. Right. Now they're in the 616. Right. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm understanding that correctly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, you know, and, and this was just a, you know, I thought this was a fun kind of light book. It was, it, it, it you know, didn't ask you to take anything too seriously. It was no. just the Guardians and the Avengers. I mean, two huge properties fighting aliens in New York City. And then, you know, the the reveal at the end is it's Nebula, who's who's uh, behind everything, which is like, okay, well, right. we we recognize Nebula from the movie. And it definitely, yeah, definitely tied into the movie. And no, I mean, tonally, it's what I expected. I just the the thing that kind of was jarring to me was the roughness of the Adams art. Um, yeah, I didn't there's kind of that. a level of expectation, yeah, and that just, I was like, ugh. But, and then, and then I, issue two came out like a week later and had a different artist on it. I did not buy it. Well, and, and issue three is already out and there's, there's a different artist on that as well. I, I figured so arcs I, would have different artists, but I didn't think issues within the same storyline would have well, different artists. And, and, and they're doing the same thing with the Shield comic. Where up to this point, every issue has had it's it's all written by Mark Wade, but every issue has had a different artist. So I don't know if this is a, a thing that Marvel is playing with, you know, having rotating kind artists like, on yeah, like a showcase series. Yeah. Now, now I think so far the the Shield book each issue has been a standalone story, so that I that I think would work. But when you have this team-up book, which, you know, this first issue ends on a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. and you're expecting the same level of art in the next issue. Yes. You know, that's kind of a – it's like if, if they couldn't get Art Adams for both issues, then maybe just wait until you can get him for one issue, like a, like a single-issue story, and not tease us with, a you know, Art Adams in the first issue and not give it to us in the second issue, so – Anyway, Indeed. but I, like I said, I, I thought it was fun. It was not, you know, it was exactly kind of what I thought it was going to be minus the, uh, the inconsistencies in the art, but you know, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give art Adams a little bit of a pass because, you know, he's been, you know, he's been around for, you know, he's been doing this for what, 30 plus years. So I, I'll take any art Adams I can get. I hear you there. Um, I'm certainly not kind of pissing his face over it, but I, it, it was a bit, um, a little disheartening. Cause I bought the book cause it was Art Adams. That was 
that's why I plunked my dollars down. Mm-hmm. And then I was just kind of. But but I I think Ugh. I think that most was my of it, reaction to it. I think most of it was pretty good. I th- I'd say three quarters of it was pretty good. And then yeah, I'm not saying it was hot was... garbage. Yeah, it's just when you when you're as when someone has set a bar where he has set the bar, mm-hmm. anything short of it is it's like watching like a, a yeah. star athlete as they fade. Um, I I think it was just in this case the the book was just they just bit off more than he could chew as far as the. You know, rendering all the characters and all the action, and you know, yeah. he was probably, you know, there was so much, and he's so detailed. His work is so, just, you know, I mean, he is the master of detail that it probably yes. took him forever to do just that one issue. Yeah, so we probably should just be instead of be like, oh, I'll just be happy that he got twenty pages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how? Um. Yeah, and the um the. The uh, last book I have to talk about um, was kind of just I mean, I, I, just as uh, underwhelming, you know, in, in a in a sense, um, not not bad, but just kind of just boring. Which is going to sound strange when I say what it is. It's this. It's a GI Joe book. It's and it's Snake Eyes, Agent of Cobra, which sounds just fun. It's like, wow, yeah. what's going on here? And, and I got it because, well, you know, they were, it was, a, it's a new book. I got issues one and two. Um, and I kind of like the covers. The covers are kind of, um, homages to, uh, the, like some Starenko shield covers, like Nick Fury, agent of shield from, from back in the okay. day. Um, and I think the problem is like, I, I just, you know, I, I didn't feel lost when reading this because it, it says, you know, as soon as you open the first, uh, open the cover, it says, five years ago, Storm Shadow led a surprise assault on G.I. Joe's headquarters. During the assault, Snake Eyes disappeared, presumed dead. Okay. That's all you got. So if you're, if you're coming in, if you haven't read G.I. Joe from IDW in many years, like me, you know, there's a lot. There's still a lot going on in here that I have no idea, what, you know, what the backstory is. Like, it opens with a uh, chained up Destro being transported somewhere in like a like a prison van, and Snake Eyes is busting him out. I it, you know, I have no idea what Destro did and to get there and why Snake Eyes is busting him out and um. I don't know, there's just like, there's no stakes in this book. Like, I, I, I don't feel invested because it's, it's just, nothing is explained enough for me to care. And, and, and the art is good. I like, you know, what? Um, but it's just, the, the story is just, I, I feel like you, you, this isn't a book that you can just jump into, even though I feel like, you should be able to. I mean, it's just it, the the concept. Just Snake Eyes, Agent of Cobra, just sounds really cool. But I think there was stuff going on prior to this book that you know that would help make more sense of it. Uh, now, was there a book that had that, or is this a jumping into like a store, a new story midstream? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. This is a this is okay. a book. This is a brand new book by itself. 
like a like this. You know, it's uh, not doesn't well, say they don't do uh, go back and fill in gaps. Well, I don't. I mean, I, I feel like something is already happening. I mean, because you know, uh, IDW is still publishing a lot of GI Joe stuff. Um, so I think I just you know I, I think there was just stuff you had to read because there's a lot of reference in here to things that have happened before, like when. Um, there was a, a few, couple of years ago, there was a status quo change where G.I. Joe relocated to Las Vegas and their cover was a casino, hmm. um, which was, which was kind of cool. I, I read That's the first funny. issue of that and it was, and it was cool. Um, and like Flint was in charge. Um, but something happened in that book. Like I think that's where the head, you know, that's where their headquarters were, was, and that's, the building, the casino, which was destroyed, but I don't know. I, I, I think if you're, if you're already a Joe reader, maybe you'll like this and it'll make sense to you. Um, but I read the first two issues and like I said, I didn't feel totally lost, but at the same time, I definitely did not feel invested enough to keep going with it. So yeah, it's unfortunate. That is, uh, yeah, for you, you, had, you know. yeah, I was kind of disappointed. I thought this was going to be kind of a fun, you know, just following Snake Eyes around the world, doing some, you know, Snake Eyes shit, and which he is yeah. doing, but it's like, I don't know why he's doing it. It doesn't make any sense. And you don't get enough of the Cobra side to say, oh, this is how we got Snake Eyes on our side, and this is why he's doing this. And, and of course, Snake Eyes doesn't talk. And he has no inner, he has no, he has no inner monologue. So Snake Eyes as a main character is ultimately, I think, a little self-defeating because. It's going to be like Groot coming up. Yeah. I mean, at least Groot says, I am Groot and, and, and he has emotion. Like you can, I mean, Snake Eyes wears a mask. You can't even see emotion on his face like you can Groot. Uh, Oh man. So that's why I said like Snake Eyes as a main character is kind of like, it's just, I, I think problematic. It's like Helen Keller being the lead in a yeah in a radio drama. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, exactly. I just I don't. So, um, like I said, if you're if you know if you've been a Joe reader for a while, maybe give this a try. Maybe maybe you already have. Maybe you really like it. But let us know. I, yeah, and I I could not recommend it unless you were, you know. You know, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say, um, you know, if, if Snake Eyes has always been your, your favorite Joe, but you haven't read comics in a long time, don't pick this up. <laughs> don't come back on this one. Yeah, this is not, this is not a jumping on book like Spider Woman was, so. That's a bummer. Yeah. It's like a really cool elevator pitch that just failed at the execution part. Yeah. Oh, and then, um, wait a second. Let me see if I can find it. So the, um, I think at the end of issue one, yeah, there's a there's a page that kind of previews issue two, and it says, uh, "Let's see, uh, the, the last line: Storm Shadows and Storm Shadow enters the fray looking for revenge." Okay, so then in issue two, they show Storm Shadow on the last page, like it was a big, full like a full page, uh, you know, reveal last page reveal like it's supposed to be a big deal, but it's not because you already know he's coming. It's like if you mm-hmm. wanted to if you wanted to make it mean something, don't tell us that he's coming. 
You know, because then that last page reveal means nothing. It's it. You're just like, yeah, I knew yeah. he was coming. So you waited till the last page to show me. Big freaking deal. So I think it's just, and and I'm really surprised that that it's this. It feels this amateurish because it's Mike Costa writing, and he did that really awesome uh, GI Joe Cobra miniseries where Chuckles went undercover as a, and he infiltrated Cobra. I don't know if you ever read that. No. It was amazing. It was so, I mean, it was like dark G.I. Joe, but done well, not like dark for the sake of being dark. It was like G.I. Joe noir. And it was unbelievably good. Um, so seeing his name on this book, I had a lot of high hopes and they were dashed because it sucked. So. <laughs> Anywho. Such is life. Yeah. Can't always get what you You're want. You're at the comic book pit. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, won't make a Rolling Stones reference here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all the books I have for this week. So I'm all tapped out as well. All right. I, like I said, I packed all mine away and kind of forgot. Oh, um, guys, real quick closing. I saw you put up a little uh, blurb on Silver Surfer. I've been reading Silver Surfer. Oh, man. So good. Good stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I caught up with it. Yeah. yeah. And did you had all of Marvel blowing up that tweet, too. Yeah, I, I got I got retweeted by uh, Slot and Allred, which was kind of cool. And Tom Brevoort. Yeah, and Tom Brevoort. So. Yeah, like everyone that, I, I think we even had the person that folds and staples them together retweet that one. <laughs> we had the yeah, we we had the janitor at Marvel Comics retweeting. Custodian Dan. Yeah, I'm custodian. sorry, custodian. Custodial engineer is what yes. they go. No, yeah, Silver Surfer. What are they on issue ten? I think now. Some ten, eleven, somewhere in there. I'll be honest, I forget. That's horrible. But oh, I man. read it. I adore it. Um, like Silver Surfer, I mean, I, I'm like I said, I'm so glad I I because I only read the first four issues, but I had the rest waiting for me at in my pull box at work, and I finally I was like, oh, I'll finally buy these and catch up. I'm so glad I did. I mean, just I could not get enough of it. Like that is my favorite book now. Right on. Well, I think we can discuss it more in depth when the next issue comes out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to. Okay. Well, sir. Uh, you are in the captain's seat this week, so I will let you steer us home. Okay. Well, we didn't say it in the beginning because we were just talking, but this was Comic Book Pit episode 197. I'm Dan. I'm Jared. Next week. See ya. <laughs>